Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, at the start of this new week, I'm joined, uh, as is uh, custom already now, by a market analyst, commentator, and CA, uh, Snesipo Maninjo. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Uh, evening. Uh, I, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Snesipo, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people were out and about over the weekend. And in uh, Zimbabwe, weekend. It seems that some of the banks, or some of the representatives of the banks, uh, the National Treasury, SAA, and the Department of Public Enterprises were locked in talks. And, uh, of course, still a lot of hush-hush around this. But uh, it seems people were very busy on the weekend, a meeting about the future and the fate of SAA. And uh, it seems now that the Treasury... Um, if it is to guarantee parts of um, the 10 or over 10 billion rand needed to uh, restart the airline, is going to have some strict conditions. I don't understand why. I think, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to that. I'm a, I'm a bit You're indifferent about the conditions or about, about what? They're asking for conditions. they asking okay. for the conditions. Bottom line, is there owes creators money? The government either needs to make right or not. This for me is a very, very simple discussion. It's, it's, make it's, right it's, or liquidate? You, those are the options. Make right or liquidate. So mm. when you add in conditions, you are delaying the process and you're incurring more costs as you go along. So that's why I'm like, I don't make, I don't understand one make much of a muchness. You mm. either believe in the story of SA or you don't. So what are your thoughts upon something, something else? I mean, there's another dimension to this, which, which might explain why the, you know, the Treasury might have wanted to talk tough. A lot of people have said, you know, if, if the Treasury gives in, and I'm not going to use that terminology, but if the Treasury does uh, provide some guarantees on some, if not all, of the money, that it might complicate some of the conversations with public sector trade unions. What, what's your view on that? It does, because the thing is that you pour money into a dead horse. The truth be told is that I think we need to stop this placating of government departments assuming that they're not speaking from the same hymn book. Public mm. enterprise, there is a government ink. Public enterprise, the shareholder representative, has all but guaranteed that the funding will be provided. The guy at Treasury jumping and screaming means absolutely nothing because it is a governmental decision. We need to stop this putting departments... Could be the cabinet. Could be the cabinet. It could be the cabinet. Like, I don't understand mm. why we're trying to fight. And for me, I find this a sort of a delay tactic and it exacerbates the situation further. The question has always been that, and, and I sort of understand where the public sector wage is, that you say you don't have money, but you're always mm. money. And the truth be told is that even in the business rescue plan, it is documented that SAA will not be profitable for another two to three years. And that's mm. if everything goes according to plan. <laughs> and that is the best case. So, it's very so, so you must ask, well, what does that mean? Does that mean this, if indeed it does go through, is part of many, many other successive bailouts? Because, I mean, if you're going to be sort of cash flow negative for the next few years or so, there, there will be some expectation that some of that has to be taken up either in direct cash injection or even, I guess, contingent liabilities by way of guarantees. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the rescue plan talks about a ramp-up process. And also in light of COVID-19, they had to change the mechanics of the COVID, of the plan to take in cognizance, take in consideration uh, the fact that people are not going to Terminal A. They know Terminal A activities. Mm. 
Mm. So they had to just sort of restructure and just look at relook at the airline, sort of create a new structure for the airline uh, going forward until uh, the numbers pick up from a travel perspective. But again, again, this is a governmental decision. There's no versus, there's no good guy versus bad guy here. The shareholder has spoken. The shareholder representative has written a letter hmm. in black and white saying that they will support the airline. This deadly dabbling in the last minute is both destructive and it causes, it puts taint in the entire business rescue process. You see the mm. counterparts at Count A, Mavok Ilebon. Mavok Ilebon, we're in implementation stage. I'm hoping to go through the process. Yeah, Kaulez, because it literally is once the commitments are made, we go into execution mode. So mm. I don't understand why we are still we're trying to get add conditions. What conditions are going to help? But please pray God what conditions are going to help. Mm. We know there's early retrenchments that's going to happen. There's voluntary retrenchments that's going to happen. We know that they're going to be cutting the number of fleets. We know there's going to be cost cutting. What other more can they do? Like, break it down. What more can they do? Mm. Mm. What more and they I guess can the, do? Yeah, we'll certainly wait to hear from the National Treasury what some of their views are. It seems... You know, even last week, all we talk about is in the aviation sector because the other story I want us to take a look at is what's happening at SAA Technical. Now, aside from, I guess, uh, uh, discussions with their sister company, Mango, they also are now faced with a wage dispute uh, where they've said they're only good to pay a quarter of uh, their workers' salaries at this point. And uh, as you can imagine, many of those workers are very unhappy with that. Yeah, so SAA Technical is a subsidiary within the SAA Group. SAA Technical makes money. Just like money. Mango. Mm. SAA Technical actually makes money. Just yeah, it services yeah. everybody. I mean, it maintains everybody's fleet, so... Yeah, it actually makes mm. money. Now, the question is that when you're in a group structure, people are just not paying you. Mm. That is literally just what it is. They haven't been paid by Mango. They even haven't even been paid by SAA. Uh, British Airways, Comey is not flying, so they're closed. They're, they're, they're out of it. So they literally just haven't been pay, being paid. Mm, mm, mm. So fundamentally, that is the issue. And ultimately, the cash flow issue in that, um, it's very technical, technically uh, what you would call, I'm not sure, I don't mean to use the word technically, they're an essential service. Basically, yeah. I can't fly yeah. out of Benga. Mm. Yes, they're an essential service. So if they're not getting the cash flow, and there's still people are still flying out. What must can happen? Like this for me is a very very simple thing, and also talks to the problems of group entities. They literally just haven't been paid. So, so and I mean, and, and maybe here's the other dynamic to this, right? That um, it seems all of this is happening at a very sort of high level. You know, the palace politics of it. But if the strike uh, goes ahead at SAA Technical, I mean, what implications is that going to have for the aviation sector more broadly at a time when, you know, some of their clients need to be making money in order to pay them? That's quite some. Ain't nobody going to fly. It's really not even a high grade answer. <laughs> ain't nobody going to fly. Nobody. Mm-hmm. How? And I think it needs to be done. I think it needs to be done. It, I think it's, yeah, there's a little yeah. insult. There's a little insult about not paying your group entity. 
Because ultimately, FA Technical survives on being paid. So if mm. you're not paying, what must can happen? Like, yeah, and the fact that they had to go through the effort of, and I applaud the management of FAA Technical, the fact that they withdrew services this weekend and that had a whole issue with Mango being grounded. It, it was mm. needed to be done. It, it was needed. Ain't nobody going to fly. Ain't nobody. You guys are not listening. So, You're not paying. So we're going to be speaking to the DPE later on in the show under the microscope this evening. And, I, and I'm sitting here asking myself, I mean, all of these players are part of one group structure and group entity. Surely when there is an impasse like that, there, there is a role for the shareholder representative or even, I guess, the board of, well, the SAI, not board, we administrators, okay, um, or the business rescue practitioners. But I mean, surely the shareholder representative uh, uh, should intervene in a way that one keeps the aviation sector going, but also resolves some of the short-term cash flow issues that SAAT is facing. I will really, they're trying to negotiate conditions instead of, like, and that's why I was like, you really, for me, I personally wouldn't do the investing essay. I would let it liquidate. But that's me personally. Because we're now caring about the greater SA Inc. story and the greater social and other enterprise support that SAA provides by flying to certain areas. See, me, I'm not government. You either believe in the story or you don't. Mm-hmm. I, call, I, I don't understand what, what, what is higher grade about it. If the business rescue practices, step one, I remember, were like liquidate. What the province? No. So I will copy my then. Like, I don't understand that. I, I, I genuinely, I promise you, I, I feel that we are going much in circles and we're delaying. There are people whose retrenchment taxes haven't been paid, who haven't had salaries because government insists on delaying this process, trying to add conditions, trying to add all high grade. You set a commitment that you'll support the entity, support the entity. You saw what happened with um, Comet. Comet, let me give you an simple example. Bidvest was one of the biggest shareholders in Comet. Mm. Bidvest was like, as well, like man. Executives pour in money. They opted for it. If you believe in the situation, you actually just have to put in the money. Some people, and it literally, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with walking away. And for me, I literally say, if a technical management was spot on, they were like, actually, we're not being listened to. Ain't nobody going to fly. Ain't nobody. When I say no, if a technical does it for everyone, I want you to understand Military, private, commercial, private jets, nobody's Arabi. flying. Ain't nobody going to fly. crowd my Okay, let's so, stay on the ground. Let's stay on the ground for a second, Stacey, but because I want to hear your views on the property sector. It seems um, Ossentin City and uh, some of the big malls uh, are back to the kind of footfall they uh, saw just prior to the onset of COVID-19. Of course, it's going to take a while to recover. Uh, but it certainly is going to make many of the landlords, uh, including Liberty's two degrees, very, very happy. Oh, yes. Uh, we're finally at a point where foot traffic is increasing. Granted, it's summer. People have been going out. The month ends. So, I know where we're like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I think it's a very, very good sign. For me, foot, tra- foot traffic is merely just a single measure on its own. I'm more interested to find out how much people have been spending because we don't want window shoppers. So it's great that the foot traffic has increased. It's the fact that it's still not at 2019 levels is a bit sure. of a concern. But 
the fact that it's increasing month in on month out and it's sort of following the same pattern as um, every time the lockdown restrictions um, have happened. A big thing is that the same um, Liberty um, results, they showed that they had a 74% collection in rent. So, yes, so you can still see that it's, from an earnings perspective, I don't think people are spending anywhere near what they were spending last year. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and how long so, yeah. do you think, I mean, how, how long do you think you'll see, see their uh, collections recovering there? I mean, we saw in the aviation sector people saying they'll only get back to 2019 levels around 2023. When it comes to occupancy and I guess some of the collections, what are you expecting here in the property sector? I give them until March, so I'm giving them in December, but then it all depends. Probably is a bit of a strange one, because, and as well as the aviation, it's all a bit of a strange one, Goku, especially with COVID. So every time you think the recovery is coming, uh, it's like a second wave, and I, and I, and I, and I, it, it sounds mean when I say we have to revert to what's happening in Europe and the, the fact that they're going back to lockdown. And mm. Tina, we've been behaving the same way. If you see, if you check out social media, we've been behaving the same way as the Europeans were behaving in summer. We've Eesh. been out there. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. It's like the same script of the same movie, Jay, same just same in slow people. motion. Yeah, mm. and that's the thing. And that's also the thing. So as much as people say, oh my God, when will the recovery happen? For me, I'll start plotting a recovery part the minute I know there's a vaccine and there's a timeline for that. Because that's yeah, when you can actually yeah. start plotting. Because the truth be told is that we can't be indoors forever. See, as Tanda isn't. So we want be we want to be there in the streets. But also those valela, no big valela because we don't want to listen. And that for me, I think the critical impasse is that it's very difficult to trust a recovery path. I've been I've been attending webinars, I've looked at the numbers and, and, and I find it difficult at this point to plot um accurate recovery path because mm. I believe there's still so many unknown variables and we are dealing with a pandemic that seems to uh metastasize in terms of effect and reach. Mm. So mm. at this Stasible. point yeah. Just, a, just a last question, I guess, uh, unfortunately, we have uh, run out of time. But a last question on my end. I mean, a lot of people were talking about a consolidation happening in this sector, uh, sort of retail property where, you know, some of the guys who are not going to make it out of this COVID-19 moment are said to be gobbled up by some of the larger real estate investment trusts. Have you started to see any of that? Or are people just, I guess, holding out until things change? I think we're going to start seeing that our, we're definitely going to be starting to see it. Um, I will say though, I will say things. Sorry though, that the thing that's disappointing to me personally is that the truth be told is that the public sector in South Africa has been living in terms of the way they've structured rentals have been high, they've been escalating year on year. And it's reasons why the property sector for a very long time was the best performing sector in the JSC. Mm. Unfortunately, the current structure of how property sector is managed and the rates we've been pushing through, it, that it's no longer that that model is dead. Like, yeah, that model. Let's leave is dead. it there. Let's leave it there. On uh, yeah, that's a silent moment or silent note of death. Uh, but uh, as always, a pleasure uh, to check in with you and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Cool. cool. All right.
That is Snesipo Maninjwa, a market analyst, commentator and CA, speaking to us this evening about uh, the happenings in the world of aviation, in particular in the national carrier, and also, uh, I guess, uh, a return to um, some semblance of normal in the retail property sector. Let's take this brief break now. When we come back, we catch up with Zwilin Zimavavi, General Secretary of the South African Federation of Trade Unions, and uh, we get a sense of uh, the rolling mass action uh, that uh, uh, might uh, see us uh, in the next few months. Stay tuned.